Hi everyone. In this lesson, we're going to discuss some sample standard rebuttals and objections. We're going to go through some sample objections, and then we're going to show some sample rebuttals to these. Some of these are industry specific, some of them are not. And I recognize that not all, each and every one of these is going to apply to your selling style. What you have to do is be like a cow. You have to chew what's good and spit the rest of it out. But what it will do is show you the philosophy and the psychology of rebuttals and handling objections. And the reason why I think that's important for you is the hardest part about handling an objection when it comes up is that one or two seconds right after you get the objection. If you don't have a mantra, if you don't have the key phrases as an integrated part of your sales personality, the hardest part for a lot of salespeople in handling objection is knowing what to say. And as we went through previous trainings, the truth is there's really only four basic objections. And that's no money, no need, no hurry, and no confidence. And once we know what those four basic objections are, it's very easy to, number one, build the rebuttal into our presentations to reduce the chances of those objections coming up, but also to have some uh, rebuttals that are germane to the objections that may come up after the presentation so that we can do a trial close using tie down questions. So we're going to walk through some of these standard rebuttals that you tend to get. Remember, they're centered around no money, no need, no hurry, no confidence. And then we're going to show how you can reply to those by using examples that make sense. They're common sense. So this trial close is a general trial close. This can apply to any industry. And here's kind of the way it goes. You so, you know, during our lifetime, we tend to buy many things, don't we? Cars, televisions, homes. And you nod your head as you're saying these things. You want to get a tacit approval, a tacit agreement from your prospect. And always before investing our money, we usually consider three things. Do I need it? And you pause. Notice how your voice trails off. Do I need it? You make it a question. You nod your head. Do I like it? Again, you pause. You nod your head, and can I afford it? And there you might shrug your shoulders a little bit, tilt your head a little bit. That's making sure that your body language is congruent with your words, and it engages your prospect in the conversation so that they become part of this rebuttal process. So now that we've laid the framework for this general trial close and this rebuttal, we're going to continue. So regardless of what you buy, you tend to accept or reject a purchase based on asking yourself these three questions, right? Now, you see that word right is a tie-down question. When they agree with that, then they're agreeing with the premise. And you do the other things that we talked about in the last slide, which is you nod in your head, shrug your shoulders, tilt your head, so that you engage them. Now, let's look at the policy you designed. Whether it's a policy, a plan, a program, a service contract, Whatever it is, you want to make sure you frame it so that they take emotional ownership over it. What you want them to do is build their own solution and then take emotional ownership over it. It's kind of like test driving a car. When you think about the last time you bought a car, you took it for a test drive. While you're on the dealership's lot, you get behind the steering wheel. And what do you do before you take it out on the road? Don't you adjust some things? What are some of the things you adjust? You know, for some of us, we're going to adjust the steering wheel. From others, we're going to adjust the radio. Some might adjust the air conditioning. 
Some might reach down to adjust the seat. You might slide it up, slide it back. You might adjust the seat back. You might adjust the side mirrors. Then you take the car off the lot. You go for your test drive. You come back to the dealership. When you get out of the car with the car salesman, where do you usually go? Well, you go inside, right? You go inside to sit down and talk with the salesperson. And what are you going inside for? Are you going inside to discuss how much you're paying for a car? Are you going inside to discuss how much you're paying for that car? You know, the truth is you're not going in there to discuss which car you might buy. You're going in there to discuss how much you're paying for that car, aren't you? And the reason for that is you've already taken emotional ownership for that over that car. When you sat down in that car, you adjusted the things that you use the most in the order you use those things in order to make the car fit you. That's what we're doing here. You want to make sure that your prospect has adjusted the product or service in a way that fit them. That's why I say in this example here, now let's look at the policy you designed. Do you like the plan you designed? And then you wait for the answer. That's the awkward pause. That's what most salespeople have the most difficult time doing is waiting for the answer. Do you feel you and your family need this protection? Notice how I emphasize the word need this protection. The reason I emphasize that word need this protection is I want them to acknowledge that they already said they needed this. So I'm going to wait for an answer again. Do you feel comfortable with the company? Notice how I stretch the word comfortable out. I tilt my head as I say the word comfortable. And the reason for that is because I want to make it sound familiar to them, something that's common and familiar to them, something that they make a part of themselves so that they feel like that this is a decision that's going to be of benefit to their family. And the last one is, can you handle the cost? Now, the reason I stretch that out and emphasize the word cost, as we've already discussed in the, in the previous conversation when we went through how to qualify people, we already discussed how you get the cost out of the way up front. So can you handle the cost? And when they agree to each of those things, you're going to see how we use a, a tie-down question to do that trial close by getting them to make a buy-in decision on a minor point. Now, as we've mentioned in other trainings, people buy on emotion and they're moved to action by logic. So we're going to apply that principle here. We're going to address emotion, and we're going to give them a logical reason to make the buying decision. You know, the only time you can apply for this protection is when you're in good health. Let's authorize the name of your company to run a clearance here to see what you qualify for. And then you want to make sure your behavior is congruent with your words. So in this case, you would write your name on as the salesperson on the uh, application or contract, and you lay the pen down next to where they have to write their name so that your behavior is congruent with your words. So this objection is when they say that they want to shop around. Now, you've already met with them. You've done the meet and greet, the warm-up. You've done the qualification. You've done your presentation. Uh, you've done the trial close. You've already given them the price. And now they come back and say, I want to shop around. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use our standard rebuttal I'm going to use a standard key phrase that we learned in our previous trainings, and that is, well, obviously you have a reason for feeling this way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? I want to validate the prospect, and then I want to ask an action question. Obviously you have a reason for feeling this way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? And the reason I'm comfortable asking this question and stating it this way 
is I've earned the right for them to give me an answer. I've already vested my time, energy, and resources getting in front of them. I've already told them at the beginning of the presentation, like we talked about during the presentation training, that my job as a salesperson to get them the best product or service at the best price possible, and, and that's what they would expect me to be doing. And if I do my job correctly, then the only thing I ask for them is to give me either yes or no answer. The answer is yes, then I'm going to make sure that they get the best product or service, get the best qualification, get the best price, whatever your industry is, and get them their product or service put in place as soon as possible. If the answer is no, I'm not going to be like most salespeople. I'm not going to keep bugging them and calling them, bugging them and calling them. I'm going to move on to my next customer. But the price of gas today, I can't afford to keep coming back. So I just want a yes or no answer. Is that fair? And you might remember that from the training we did on this. So when they say, yes, that's fair, then I shake hands with the husband and wife or I shake hands with the president of the company or the store manager or whoever is making the buying decision. Well, since I've already done that, when they come back at the end of the presentation and say, I want to shop around, I've earned the right to ask this question. So obviously you have a reason for filling this way. You might have asked what it is. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're shopping around for so I can give you some information to help you make an informed and intelligent decision? And notice the way I said that. I want to help them make an informed and intelligent decision. The inference is there may be something that they're not considering. And the last one is, well, let's start the underwriting process, protect your ability to qualify while well, you still have a choice to shop around. Or whatever is appropriate for your industry. Maybe they don't, you don't need to underwrite a loan or But whatever is appropriate for your industry, let's go ahead and get this process started to protect their their ability to qualify while they still have that option to shop around. So another one of the four basic objections, no money, no need, no hurry, no confidence, is no money. So again, I'm going to use my standard uh, key phrase for this. Obviously, you have a reason for filling that way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? Suppose you need a new job. You walk into one place of business and are offered your current salary with no health benefits. When you get sick or hurt or remember your family goes to the hospital, your employer will not be able to pay anything towards your medical bills. That's what your current job is now, isn't it? So see, what we're going to do is we're going to use that tie-down question to get an agreement of what their current situation is. Obviously, this is geared towards insurance, but you can uh, put your industry in there, reward that for however your industry uh, is and make sure you do that tie down question, isn't it? Because when they agree with you, you're going to be able to hold them accountable to what they agreed to and you'll be able to use their own words to close the deal. So, we're going to do the second part of the no money uh, objection. Then, suppose you walk down the street, talk to another employer who offered a job which had the same hours and the same duties. He said he would pay you and state whatever their cost is for the product or service. In this example, we're using insurance, but whatever the cost is for your product or service in your industry. He said he would pay you less than what you're currently getting. However, he would pay you, and then you list the policy benefits. So you take a piece of paper on a legal notepad. You draw a line down the center of the paper. We call that a Ben Franklin. You write the cost on the left-hand side and then you list the benefits of your product or service on the right-hand side. Now, this is the last part of the no money objection, and we're going to show you how to use this tie-down question and trial close to get the agreement. So we've already said they walked down the street, they looked at another job, 
they got a job offer that paid less based on the amount of the product or services you had to offer. And would now what we're going to do is we're going to trial close them. So we say, which job would you take? Now, I'm guessing they're going to say the job that has all the benefits, right? And then we're going to come back and say why. And you want to pause there. You want to make them justify their decision. And their answer of why they would take that job is the reason that they will buy your product. So you want to make sure you listen with that sixth sense, with that third ear. You want to listen to what they're saying, not just what they said. We, you go get that training in our listening training that we did earlier. So here we're going to go back into it. This is exactly the choice you have now. And it's the choice you can make only when you have good choices. Let's authorize the name of your company uh, to check or run a clearance to see what you qualify for. See how we close on a minor point? And again, you want to make sure your behavior is congruent with your words. You sign where you're supposed to sign as a salesperson, and then you lay the pen down next to where they sign as if you expect them to do it. Now, I call these buffer objections. So they say at the end of your presentation, they say, oh, this sounds great, but I've got to talk to my spouse. So again, you want to go ahead and use your key phrase. Obviously, you have a reason for feeling this way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? And then you want to make sure that you throw the gauntlet down. Remember, you if you did your job properly to begin with, and you already got a commitment from them to get a yes or no answer, and you've already invested your time, energy, and resources getting in front of them. You've already spent an hour or more with them when your time could have been spent with someone else. You have a right to an answer. And the only way you're going to get that answer is by putting it on the line. And these may just be buffer objections. These may be objections that they're giving you because they're used to giving an objection, because they think they're supposed to give an objection. So if they say they need to talk to the spouse, you can say, great, let's get her on the phone. Let's get him on the phone. If the spouse lives in, the, in that town or lives nearby, great, let's go to where your, your husband is. Let's go where your spouse is. You can get the spouse's information and then schedule a, a visit with the spouse. But here's what I would tell you. You know, if you get the same objections three out of five presentations, I would tell you to start moving that objection up front as a part of your presentation. So deal with this up front when you're setting the appointment so that you know that the decision makers are there and this isn't going to come up. That way, when you actually get to the appointment, if one of the people they said were going to be there isn't there, then you get to make the choice of whether you want to invest your time, energy, and resources in making a complete presentation when you know that you will not be getting a buying decision. Okay, we're going to address the no-need objection. Remember, there's four basic objections, no money, no need, no hurry, no confidence. And so we're going to use this example of no need. Uh, let's look at it this way, John. Let's weigh your obligation against our obligation. Can you get your legal pad out? You draw a line down the center of the paper. On the left-hand side, you write your. On the right-hand side, you write our. Then on the left-hand side, you write down the cost of the product or service that you're marketing. And on the right-hand side, under our, you list all the benefits of the product or service. And then on the next slide, we're going to show you how to use this. So you've drawn a line down the piece of paper on a legal pad. On the left-hand side, you wrote your. On the right-hand side, you wrote ours. So John, first of all, your obligation is to set aside, and then you write down the cost or the payment of your product or service. 
On the other hand, our obligation is to, and then you list all the features and benefits of your product or service. I'm assuming there's going to be a number of them, 4, 8, 12. You want to write down at least 8 to 12 features and benefits of your product or service. And then you continue with this trial close. However, if you do not live up to your obligation, at that point you circle the cost or the payment of your product or service and set aside, and there you mentioned the amount, then our obligation becomes yours. Notice how I emphasize those words that are bolded. Then you take your pen or your marker and you put a Y, a capital Y, in front of ours. Then our obligation becomes yours. And you have to, and then you go through it, meet these expenses, cover these services, whatever those 8 to 12 features and benefits are that you have listed, as well as your other regular and then you list the regular services or, or, or product features that they use in their business on a daily basis. So you're using a Ben Franklin to outline their obligation and your obligation. And if they don't take their obligation, which is just simply paying that monthly price or paying that one-time fee or cost for your product or service, then they're making a choice to assume all the obligations that you would have taken, they become their obligation. In other words, you write the word your. And make sure that you point out to them that this is a two-decision process. When they choose not to take the obligation of paying for the cost or price of your product or service, they're also making a decision to take on all the other obligations that you normally would have taken. So remember, we said that people buy on emotion and move to action by logic, and here's how we incorporate that trial close in this no-need example. Certainly the wisest decision here is to set aside, state whatever your, your price or cost is, and let, and then name your company, help pay these expenses or services for you. Your, and then whatever that benefit is, their financial health, their business growth, whatever the benefit is of them doing business with you, is your wealth. And you can only make these decisions while you're in good financial health, business health, whatever the, the, the qualifying process is for your industry. Let's authorize, whatever the name of your company is, to check, run a clearance to see what you qualify for. And there again, you're closing on a minor point. Okay, now, so what are the four basic objections? No money, no need, no hurry, and no confidence. So we're going to deal with the no hurry objection you get. That might be, if this were a purchase of a product where a few days would matter, I'd say, fine. However, let me point out that protection of this kind is never on sale. In other words, it'll never be any cheaper. And as a matter of fact, it'll be more expensive and could possibly go off the market as far as your their company health, their market growth, you know, whatever problem you're going to solve with them is concerned. John, today it looks like your business is in good health, but before tomorrow, that could fail. When you wait one day, you may be one of the persons who cannot qualify. Remember, John, you take the chance, but when you lose your family, your business, whatever's involved there pays. Let us move on this now while your business is in good health. See how that trial close deals with the no hurry 
the key there is that when they take the chance and they lose, it's their family or their business that, that pays. So you want to say that with confidence. You want to make eye contact so that your behavior is congruent with your words. And listen, if you use this rebuttal, if you use this trial close, and then you let them agree to have you come back, you just lied to them. Because if you use this rebuttal for an objection of no hurry, and you told them that waiting could, could mean their family could end up paying or their business could pay, and then you agree, yeah, it's no big deal, I can come back in a week or two, you just told them you lied to them. So use this gingerly, use this as a little bit more of a hard close, because what you're telling them is that today's the day. You can't go back two weeks from now with the same price. You can't go back two weeks from now with the same products and services if, in fact, your whole reason to use this close was if they don't do it today, they could, they could actually go off the market. If you tell them that there's a sale and today ends the sale, you can't go back two weeks later with the exact same thing. Now, this is also a buffer objection. You know, you're going to get this from someone who's probably more uh, uh, curious and serious about buying from you. This is probably one you should actually nail up front, make this a part of your a presentation. Uh, if you go back to the presentation training, you see we cover this. Uh, when we talk about my jobs, uh, uh, of what my job is as a salesman, and you get that agreement. But we're going to go ahead and deal with this. So they say the price is too high. Obviously, you have a reason for feeling this way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? Let's look at the features. Which one can your business do without? Remember, everybody talks about what people gain. But let's talk about what they would lose by not having it. So let's look at the features. Which one can your business do without? Is it more than you're willing to pay, or is this product or service more than you expected? You know, sometimes what happens is they, they're so interested in your product or service, you do such a great job at your presentation, you build in all this upsell to it, they, that they want everything. They want everything you sold them on. I mean, you're a great salesperson. You actually sold them on everything. But here's the problem. They actually can't afford all those upsells. So you have to give them a graceful way out. Is this more than you're willing to pay, or is the product or service more than you expected? If they say, well, yeah, I, I didn't expect it to come with all these things, then you just go back, well, what range did you want to stay in? Although I would tell you, if you did your job properly in the beginning and you followed the, the meet and greet and you followed the qualification process that we trained you on, you're, you should already know what the range is. If you get to this point and you – and you say what range you want to stay in, you, you've, already, you, you, you've already messed up your presentation. And that's okay. That's how you learn. Remember we said uh, earlier that uh, the only mistake you can make is to not try. Uh, you want to make as many presentations as fast as you can to shorten the learning curve. But if you're trying to figure out what range you want to stay in at the end of the presentation, I would encourage you to start making that a part of your presentation. Remember what we've said all along. If you get the same objection three out of five presentations, you should probably start including it at the beginning of your presentation. Now, this one here is probably more of a, a cold call, either a walk and talk, a cold call objection you get, or over the phone objection. I'm just using a policy as an example. It could be any product or service. And that's when you start doing your, your pitch about we can increase your benefits to lower your costs. You go back to the sales scripts, and, and you'll remember that one. And they say, well, you don't have a better policy or you don't have a better service or you don't have a better product. Or, you know, you use your standard, um, uh, you use your standard uh, uh, rebuttal there, which is obviously you have a reason for feeling that way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? 
And then you go with what are the features of your product or service that you've used the most. Now, here's what I like about that question. It, they could have 12 products or, uh, or, or features of their current product or service they have. But if they only use two of the 12, what difference does it make what the other eight are? I mean, what difference does it make what they have? It only matters what they use, right? So maybe they've got, maybe yeah, maybe their product or service has a bunch more than what you have, and and they're most likely paying for that. But if they never use those things, what's the point in having it? That that might be your pivot in there. Another one is if we do, are there any business or credit issues that would prevent you from qualifying? That's the takeaway. You know, sometimes these people are just they get a little bit arrogant. They're used to kind of bouncing salespeople around, and they kind of wave their hand at you like they're waving you away. And hey, you don't have a better policy. You don't have a better product. You don't have a better service. Well, maybe not, but if we do, are there any business or credit issues that would prevent you from qualifying? And what that does is it puts them in a position of having to qualify themselves and justify themselves to you. It's a way for you to take back control of it. But I like this last one. And the reason I like the last one is it throws the gauntlet down, and I get to find out if I've got a, someone who's more serious or someone who's more curious. And that's where I'm going to say that's a good idea. Let's take a look at it and see. Let's get your contract out and see. Because if they are not willing to get their contract out, if they're not willing to get their product or or whatever it is out and go through it, then they're not going to buy from me anyway. Why would, I, why would I waste my time going through a full presentation with them? They're probably not going to do it anyway. And, and that's what you have to have. You have to have the philosophy that your time is of value, that the service you bring is of value, that your input, your guidance, your counsel is important and that it is worth something. And they will only think it's worth something if you do. And sometimes you increase your value by walking away than you do by uh, try, staying and trying to create a prospect out of one that doesn't exist. Remember what we've said in prior trainings, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So this objection typically is one that you're going to get because you either didn't lay the foundation in the beginning of gaining the commitment up front, or you've got two two decision makers there and you only got the commitment from one of them. And that is when they say they want to think it over. You've already done the meet and greet, the warm-up, the qualification, the presentation, the cost, the close, and they come back and say they want to think it over. So you want to use your key phrase, which is obviously you have a reason for feeling that way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? And then, you know, you need to nail this down. So specifically, what are you going to think about? The features, the benefits, or the cost? And you want to say that with some tone of expectancy. So I've already invested an hour with you. You're, you already told me up front you're going to give me a yes or no. I'm not accepting this nonsense from you. So specifically, what are you thinking about? Because if it's the feature, the benefit, or the cost, we can work with that. But if they've lied to you, if they, in fact, were never serious to begin with, that's important to call them on it. And, and the truthfully, you want to call them on it because why waste any more time with them? I mean, the, the chances of you getting a sale from them in the future are probably slim and none. So it's better that you pack your bags and start getting out now. And I'm going to do that by putting the gauntlet down and saying specifically, what are you thinking about the features, the benefits, or the cost? And then, of course, uh, the other one that we have here, which I think is a great one, as you know, John, really, there's two decisions to be made here. First, the home office has to make a decision that they're willing to accept your business as a financial risk for the company. And then the, the rest of this close um, takes you through this whole process. 
So I'm going to go ahead and walk you through it just so that you have the philosophy behind it. But I want to point out something. I'm going to, uh, uh, this whole thing centers around the fact that there's two decisions to make. And we talked about this in an earlier slide. When people make a decision not to buy, what they're really telling you is they're making a decision to buy back their current product or service. So when people say they're not going to buy from you, what they're actually saying is they're going to buy back their current product or service. It's just nobody ever points that out and calls them on it. So here's the way this rebuttal would go in its entirety. You know, John, really, there's two decisions to make today. The first decision is the home office has to make their final decision that they're willing to accept your company's business as a financial risk for the company, and that's what you would expect, right? And the way they're going to do that is we're going to provide them all the information they need on the contract today for them to run a clearance on you, do the credit check, uh, look at the specifications in the product and service that you're expecting from them. And the way you're going to know that they're willing to accept your business as a financial risk for the company is they're going to notify me, and I'm either going to deliver the product or service, or I'm going to schedule the, the delivery date or the start of the service with you. And that's also what you're expecting, right? At that point, once you receive the product or service, or once we bring the product out, once we start the service, you'll get to make your final decision that you, in fact, want to keep the product or service, and that everything that we've talked about today, the product, service, the price, exactly what you expected it to be. And that's what you would be expecting. Isn't that correct? So all we need to do to get the uh, first decision made, which is the home office, to make their final decision and willing to accept your business as a financial risk, is to get your authorization right here for them to run a clearance. And then you sign your name where you're supposed to sign, and you put the pin down where they're supposed to sign. Now, I understand you have to be a little tough to do this type of thing at overclose, but remember, if you did your job properly, you've been with them an hour and you're at the end of the road and they come out with this, I want to think about it, they've already lied to you. They already are demonstrating that having respect for your time. And it may just be a test. They may want to just see if you actually want the business. So I would tell you this is a, this is a, a, a close that you want to become proficient at using in those circumstances where it's called for. Now, this objection you're typically going to get from somebody that isn't going to let you make a full sales presentation with them anyway. So go ahead with your key phrase. Obviously, you have a reason for feeling that way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? And then I'm usually going to be a little bit tougher on him because sometimes these, these type of prospects, they just like to test the salesperson and, and see what they're made of. They get a lot of salespeople in their business or in their they're, uh, they get called or in their home, and uh, and this and they're making these type of uh, objections because they just think they're supposed to. So I'm going to throw the gauntlet down here a little bit and push it because I want to know right up front if they, if I'm going to get a full presentation out of this, or if I'm just getting jerked around. I, I realize the value of time theirs and mine, and I'm not going to waste mine. So I'm going to use that key phrase. Obviously, you have a reason for feeling that way. Do you mind if I ask what it is? And then I'm going to. Move it to the next one, was, well, what features does that price include? And I'm going to make eye contact. I'm going to have open palms, open posture. And I'm not going to say another word until they start telling me what the features are that they're actually paying for. Another one is, what's the price you feel like you can get? I mean, if they say they can get a better price somewhere else, my assumption is they've already had a presentation with somebody else. They've already been researching or looked at it. Or they have a family friend or relative that's got it at a different price. So what's the price you feel like you can get? And maybe they can get a few dollars cheaper somewhere else and we can negotiate that. But I want to know that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them uh, any uh, counter offer. I'm not going to uh, 
uh, give them any other price or, or modify what I've presented to them uh, without having a foundation for it. And then the last one is, do you mind if I ask you a question? Why am I here? In other words, is there a specific reason you didn't take that other product or service? Is there a specific reason you didn't take that price? I mean, the reason I'm going to throw that one down is if I really think the person's full of nonsense and they're just wasting my time, I'm going to call them on it right then. And the reason I'm going to call them on it is there's a good chance that if they are just uh, jerking my chain, that I'll get business from them. And and if they are just jerking my chain, I definitely don't want to spend my time doing a full presentation with someone that's not going to tell me the truth. In fact, what I might say if it's a small business, I might say, you know, let me, you might have asked your question, what's the name of the business owner next door? And then I'm going to say, thank you very much. See you again in six months. I'm going to shake his hand, and I'm going to go next door. And like always, you can click here to get more trainings uh, or to attend trainings. You can also click here to book your next training for your company or your organization or get pricing information. You can click here for articles to see other training videos or to uh, see who uses our, our services. And if you have a question, call 865-776-7632. Talk to you later.